Our scripture reading this morning is from Mark 4, 15 through 20. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And the others are the ones sown among the thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown in the ground on good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. This is the word of the Lord. Well, I want to start today's message with sort of a parable of our own. Imagine that you're at a barbecue with some friends and you start talking with three people you haven't seen in a while. You were all in a youth group together years ago and you haven't seen each other in a while and you start to catch up. You talk about some of the fun stories and fun events that you remember, how you used to go on mission trips together and go to camps together and laugh about some of the inside jokes that you used to have. And then the topic turns more serious when one of your friends says, yeah, I, I never really got this whole Jesus thing that seems so important to everybody there. It didn't really ever resonate with me, but I really enjoyed our time together, and I, I enjoyed getting to have fun, but I just thought, no one really believes that, do they? And another of your friends responds, oh, well, I, I mean, I did. I did believe it. It meant a lot to me in that moment, but you, you know how it is being a teenager. I just had so many emotions and so many feelings. I mean, religion helped me sort of sort through those in a time. But as I became an adult, I realized there were so many other things that explained how life was, that religion was just one answer at a developmental season. It wasn't really something that could last. You're kind of shocked at hearing your friends talk like this, and you turn to your other friend, and they sort of muster up their shoulders and say, you guys are, you guys are really m- missing the point here. You're relieved because you feel like, I thought I was the only one. And he says, I mean, don't get me wrong, I I don't go overboard on this stuff, but religion can have an important role to play in our lives, even as adults. I mean, I I try to have my faith be an important part of my life. I go to church every month. I I bring my kids sometimes with me, and and I I don't take it too seriously, but, but I do think it has an important role to play in society. He elbows you. And as if to say, see, look, I'm on your side. How do you feel about that sort of situation? I I think that that parable is sort of reflective of what we're going to see in today's passage. That there are a lot of people who are exposed to the gospel, exposed to Jesus' message, maybe from an early age, maybe at a later age, who respond in dramatically different ways to the same situation. And, and I don't have to tell you that. I mean, that's been your lived experience, hasn't it? That metaphor or that parable about uh, having a youth group reunion probably strikes a chord for a lot of us. Maybe it's not our friends. Maybe it's family members. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe even it's ourselves. 
we see how at different stages of life we've responded maybe with joy to the gospel, but seeing those same sort of people that responded with joy seem to shrivel up in their faith and wither away. Or maybe we've seen people hear the gospel over and over and it just seems to bounce off them. What do we do with that? How do we understand that as Christians? And how do we hold our own faith even in the midst of how people are responding in different ways? That's what we're going to look at today in Mark chapter 4 in the famous parable of the soils. And, and I, I'll just speak for myself as we start here. I'm bringing a lot of my own fears and my own anxieties to this passage because these people that are described in here are people that have faces to me. When I think about the hard soil or the rocky soil or the path or the thorns, I, I don't think about abstract populations, but I think about people I know. And I imagine you do too. And I think about what's potentially there in my own soul, and I hope you do too. So as we hear God's word together this morning, let's do so with a tender heart towards him and an openness to listen to his word. Let's start here in Mark chapter 4, verse uh, 13 and 14. Jesus says to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. Hear what Jesus is saying here? He's saying that this parable really reflects what he is teaching about the kingdom of God in general. And then he describes how the kingdom of God works. He says it's like a sower who sows seed into the field, which is the word of God. Now, before we get to the soils, which I think is, is the main thrust of Jesus' point, just a quick word here about how Jesus is describing the kingdom of God. He describes the kingdom like a seed. And this isn't the only time he does this. In fact, he does it most famously probably in the parable of the mustard seeds when he says the kingdom of God, even though it's like the smallest seed, it grows into a huge tree. Now imagine how other rulers of Jesus' day or of our day would describe their kingdom. Would they describe it as gentle as a seed? Would Alexander the Great have thought of himself as bringing a seed or a boulder? This is really important. When we talk about Jesus being the Lord, we're talking about him not as the Lord who comes obtrusively with power in the way that we think of worldly power, but he is the Lord who comes with gentleness and brings his kingdom as if only a seed. And he says that it's spread out indiscriminately on all who would listen in order that they would respond. Now, we're going to talk about all the different ways that people respond in a minute, But I just want to start with this because it presupposes that Jesus and his word is spread widely and it's distributed widely for everyone to hear and respond to. As Romans chapter 10 says, how beautiful are the feet of the one who brings good news. What Jesus is saying is that it is a good thing when his word is spread far and wide for people to respond to. That's why I'm so proud of Justin and Heidi for this new church that they're starting as they sow God's word in the community of Arcata. We need to be a people that is constantly on the offensive to bring God's word, that is active and eager to spread God's word in our communities and in our nation and around the world. That's why we need to support and encourage people like Justin who are seeking to set out in new ways to advance the kingdom of God. 
Now, there, there's a lot of different ways to do this. There's ways to do it on a personal level. There's a way to do it on a community level. And there's a way to do it with church plants like Justin and Heidi are doing. But what research has found is that the most effective means in our culture for evangelizing people who are far from God, who are adults, is the planting of new churches. That's why I hope that while Justin and Heidi's church plant is the first time in our 76-year history that we've planted a church, that it won't be our last. In fact, I hope that they're the first of many church plants we send out over the coming decades. Well, Jesus says that he is like the sower who sows the word and that all who come after him follow in his footsteps. He compares his word to a seed and he says that it's going to be responded to by different soils and different people in different ways. It's important in this context because when Jesus is telling this parable, he's explaining to his disciples why some are listening to him and not responding. The problem isn't with the message. The seed is the same in every situation. The difference is the soils. And the first soil that Jesus describes is the path in verse 4. It says, As he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. The path, of course, provides no chance for the, for the seed to grow because a path is beaten down, it is worn down, it is hard and compacted by the sun. There's no softness to it, no place for the seed to take root or find refuge, no water for it to benefit from. It just sort of sits out there for a time until quickly the birds come, find it, eat it, and devour it. Jesus says that like, this is like the one who hears the word and it just bounces off their heart and it doesn't even go in at all. He describes it in verse 15 when he says, These are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. Who's like this today? Well, all of us sometimes. Right? Here's, what I, here's what I would hope you hear in this sermon. I hope you don't just hear, well, you fit in one of these four buckets. And if you're a Christian, you're the good soil, so you can just ignore the others. No, I, I think all of us can be in any of these four buckets at given times. Because I don't think this is just a message about salvation. This is a message about how we continue to hear Jesus' word. So I think all of us can be like the path sometime. We can be like the person that James describes, who hears God's word, but rather than putting it into practice, we ignore it. And so it just bounces off our hearts. All of us need to be aware that we can be like the path sometimes, and that when we ignore God's word, it doesn't sit there neutrally waiting for us to respond, but that Jesus says that Satan comes and takes away the word that is sown, that we are participants in a spiritual warfare for our very lives. So we're all like this some of the time. When we're all like this, if it was not for the Spirit, all of the time. And then some of us who might be listening to this are like this all the time. We've hardened our heart towards God and ignored him. And when we hear the gospel message, it sort of sits in some far part of our soul, a far part of our mind, away from our choice to respond. Will you listen and take in what Jesus offers? Matthew 13, in, in his version of this parable, says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, that the hard path is like the one who, who hears it and doesn't understand it. This isn't about intellectual capacity, of course. It's not about not understanding the, the 
the theological concepts necessarily, but it's about the unwillingness to see ourselves as a sinner in need of a Savior. What Matthew's getting across, what Jesus is getting across, is that when we hear God's word and we think that's not for us, I don't need that. I'm keeping that at arm's distance. We're like the path that just has the word bounce off of us. If you see yourself in this soil, it's not hopeless. This doesn't mean that this is intractably what's going to be true of you. There is hope for you. If, if you hear this and you want something different, then there's hope for you to cry out to God and say, God, would you soften my heart? Would you, would you turn me towards you? Because if you have a longing to move in that direction, that's already evidence that the Spirit is at work in you. If you see yourself in the path, either in whole in your relation to God or in a part of your life where you've refused to follow Jesus' leading, there is hope to soften your heart and turn yourself towards Jesus. Well, the second type of the soil becomes even more common. It's the rocky soil in verse 5. It says, Other seed fell on rocky soil, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, since it had no root, and it withered away. Jesus describes what was, I'm sure, a common experience in a, tight, in a part of the world uh, where agriculture was practiced without much irrigation. You spread the soil and hope the rain comes. You spread the soil and hope, I'm sorry, you spread the seed and hope rain comes. You spread the seed and hope that it finds good roots. But in rocky ground, there's only so much nutrient to go around. And so seeing a shoot at the beginning of the season is encouraging, but it doesn't mean there's going to be fruit on it at the end. You hope that it can put down roots long enough to survive. Jesus summarizes and explains the parable in verse 16 when he says, These are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. This is a hard one for me because it, what it describes is something that I've seen and I imagine you've seen as well. It is so fun to see someone come to faith in Christ. It is such a delight to see them respond to, with joy. But Jesus is really clear he, here. He says immediate responses, even with joy, did not indicate lasting faith. Someone can respond with joy to the message of the gospel. They can walk down the aisle, they can raise their hand, they can repeat after me, but that does not mean that faith has taken root in their heart in a lasting way. George Whitfield, the famous American evangelist, but, but also flawed evangelist, said something really insightful about one of his uh, evangelistic rallies during the First Great Awakening. People were sort of intoxicated by the size of the crowds and how many people were coming forward and how many people were expressing a new faith in Christ. And Whitfield, putting a, a, a caution to some of his followers, said, we don't know how many people have come to faith in this rally. We'll come back in a couple years and find out. Whitfield's point is that faith is not established by immediate responses. Faith is not even established by people expressing joy at what they've found. Faith is expressed in how we walk with Christ for a lifetime. That's why when you're baptized here, one of the questions we ask you is, do you intend to follow Jesus all the days of your life? 
Now, of course, this is not to create anxiety or fear. Like, I, I, I believe that when we are converted, we are saved immediately. That you can have confidence if you have placed your faith in Christ. That no future action on your part, no foolish decision on your part, is going to cause you to lose your salvation. But what I think Jesus is saying is that we are poor judges of the faith of others. We are not able to discern from the outside what is happening in the soul of another. And I think this parable is a warning for all of us about what happens during the time after our immediate coming to faith. I think this parable could be a really helpful curriculum for guiding new Christians. Because what Jesus is unpacking here in this parable is what are the causes of people walking away from the faith? And he says in this case with the rocky soil, one of the reasons is that there's a lack of rootedness. Now, he, he doesn't explain what rootedness would have looked like. So I'm really hesitant to say, well, what would have been different is if they would have joined a small group or if they would have done this or done that. They would have read their Bibles more. Jesus doesn't explain it. But I will say pastorally, those advice can be really helpful. Because what Jesus does say is that the reason that this group falls away is because of tribulation or persecution on account of the word. That they responded with joy to what they thought they would receive, and they fall away because the joy is replaced with pain. That they go from being people who respond with happiness to what is offered to them to discontentment with what is being taken away from them. And Jesus says, if you want to be, be prepared for that, the rootedness needs to move from just the joy of what you're getting to preparation for the pain that is coming for all of us. Now, I say that, I understand, into a camera <laughs> during the most trial-filled year for a lot of us. A lot of you are in times of tribulation and pain. Maybe not directly because of your faith, but you, you're experiencing losses and hurts right now in this uh, challenging year we're going through. And your faith maybe is starting to feel dehydrated, and it's starting to feel withered, and it's starting to feel like it's drying up. What I hope that this time can be for you, and, and for me, and, and for all of us, is that 2020 would be the year that our faith took deeper roots, that our faith took a, a, a more that our faith went down further than it's ever gone down before, to find water, to find nurturing, because those things that were on the surface have been taken away from us. I mentioned I'm, I'm speaking not to you here in the sanctuary, but to you at home, and I'll just say personally from my experience, one of the things that's made this year so challenging in my faith has been the lack of community, the lack of being able to see you guys on Sunday morning, the lack of being able to sit in a living room with you and share our faith together. One of the things that I really cherish and that I really long for and that I really miss is being able to hold our faith together, to be able to prepare for times of trial by encouraging one another in person. And I'm so proud of what our ministry leaders have done with being able to uh, carry out the church's ministry on Zoom and in certain ministries with social distancing in person and what we've been able to do with these Sunday morning services. But I also long for and look forward to the day that we can encourage one another in person. Well, let's get on to the, the third soil here, the thorny soil. Verse 7, Other seed fell among thorns, 
and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. Jesus describes here what often happens in many gardens, which is the soil has enough there to be able to support plants, but not just the plants you want to grow, but also the plants you don't want to grow. And he says this is what a lot of us experience faith and life like. Look at verse 18. And the others are... And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. This may be the saddest of the three soils we've talked about to me personally, because I've seen this in people. I've seen this in my own life, that the desire to genuinely live for Jesus and to try to have the American dream at the same time. I I think that's what Jesus is describing here. The person who hears God's word, believes it, wants to live for it, and also has all these other hopes and aspirations that they want to accomplish in this life. And like the amateur gardener who's trying to crowd too much stuff in to one small plot and refuses to ever prune or take anything out, the result is that nothing grows well. Jesus describes this in verse 19. He says, It's the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things that proves to make us unfruitful. I mentioned some of the losses that we're experiencing during this time of COVID, but I hope that some of those losses will end up proving gain for you. I was talking to one family in our church uh, a couple months ago who were reflecting on how much they've had to stop doing during COVID all the kids' activities that have been suspended, all the, the commuting for work that they couldn't do anymore, all the, t- not that they missed that, uh, all, the, all the time that they used to spend on all the, all the entertainment that uh, is here in Southern California. And they said, you know what, though? Our faith has never been stronger. Our times together as a family, doing family devotions, we never used to have those. We never used to have dinner together before. But now we get a t- intentionally devote energy and time to our faith. I I hope that's how you'll look back on 2020 as well, that God has come through the garden of your life and uprooted so many things you held dear. And those losses can be real, but they can also give space to your faith that hasn't been there before. They can give time and energy and attention to growing your relationship with God. I mentioned speaking to camera here and missing you guys, and that is very true. But one of the things that's exposed about my own soul is how much I cherish your guys' positive attention and positive affirmation. These sermons are only now spoken to an empty room with one videographer who's taking notes and to hear uh, to the, in order for God's approval. And as much as I have come, become accustomed to and enjoy your guys' active listening, I have realized during 2020 how much my faith needs to grow and how much it needs to grow specifically in looking at God's approval rather than people's approval. Do you see yourself in the soil? I hope you do. I I know I do at times. And I hope that we're all continually examining where we give our energy, our attention, and our worship. Because if we don't, we end up like the exhausted plants that can't grow because there's there's not not enough life for them and not enough energy for them, not enough space for them. This is kind of an extreme example, but I wonder if you've ever sat and really talked to someone who's having an affair. 
Now, admittedly, the people who come and talk to their pastor about having an affair are usually pretty torn and pretty broken up about it. You may have a different experience if you're talking to someone at the bar, but in my experience, when people have an affair, they get to a point after the initial excitement has worn off that they are exhausted. They are just exhausted. They're exhausted from the lying and the guilt, of course, but they're also exhausted from trying to give their energies in two different directions and trying to give who they are in two different places, in two different orientations. And what they had hoped would yield greater life is actually sapping the life out of them. And over time, they find that they don't have enough energy really to support either relationship in a meaningful way. Now, I'm not looking to make a sociological or psychological point there, but to, to illustrate what Jesus says is true of us as people, that if we're giving some of our heart to him and some of our heart to the world, we end up fruitless in both endeavors. We end up going in both directions. And the reason I say we're fruitless in both is because the world, you'll notice in this parable, doesn't offer a different plant. It offers thorns. There's never going to be fruit there to even grow. And Jesus says that if we want to have fruitfulness, we have to be like the good soil where we give our attention to him. This is a warning for all of us, but, but especially for those of you guys who are newer in faith. What Jesus is offering here is a chance for you to establish a life that is fruitful towards him. So I hope you learn the lesson of the hard soil, of the path. Listen to God's word with eagerness. Don't put it on a shelf for later. Hear it and respond now. I hope we all learn the lesson of the rocky ground, right? That we use the joy of our faith to sink us deeper into relationship with him and find ways to grow in our relationship together. I hope we learn the lesson of the thorny ground. We don't try to live for the world and Jesus at the same time, resulting with not having enough energy for either. But we learn the lesson of the thorny ground and we live for Christ alone. Now, before we get to the last soil, I I just want to deal with one quick objection. You might hear this and say, well, isn't Jesus kind of just blaming everyone else for their lack of faith, right? Isn't this just Jesus' way of saying, it's not my fault you don't believe, it's your fault. It's your fault that uh, you didn't understand it, or it's your fault that you, uh, you had your faith wither away, or it's your fault that you're trying to have too much. Isn't Jesus just using this as an excuse to blame other people? Well, that's where I think the fourth soil is so important, because Jesus says the apologetic is those who are listening. That is, the reason we can believe that what Jesus is saying is true is because there are some that the soil does result and a huge crop. There are some that the seed takes root in and it multiplies profoundly. Right? If Jesus says, you know, it's, it's all someone else's fault. The seed does work. It just doesn't work in any of the ground that we see. You'd say, well, that's not the seed, maybe. Maybe that's, or maybe that's not the soil. That's the seed's fault. But Jesus says, look, there are places it multiplies. The seed can take root. The seed can grow. The seed can be effective. Or to explain it more clearly, this gospel does have a transforming power in your life. And it can, because look at the lives of those who it takes root in. This is how he describes it in verse 20. Those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. 
you are the apologetic for Jesus, right? You're, you're the reason why we can have hope that the gospel is true and good because it can take root and transform your life and multiply your life into the lives of others. Now, Jesus doesn't explain in this context what he means by fruitfulness. We don't know if he means evangelistic fruitfulness or if he means uh, the fruit of the Spirit or if he means fruit of repentance or maybe all those things. It, it's not really important to the parable. The point of the parable is that the gospel does take root in those who want to hear it, who want to respond, and who offer their lives to Christ. Would that be, will that be you? Will that be you in your initial choice to follow Jesus, if you've never done that before? And will that continue to be you on a daily basis, as you hear Jesus' word and respond to it with obedience and with joy? I hope you don't hear this as some sort of referendum, like you have to sort yourself in one of the four soils, and that's where you'll always be, always and forever. As Jesus says in verse 9, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, right? This is your opportunity to respond. This is your opportunity to say, Jesus, I want to be the sort of good soil, not just for my benefit, but for the benefit of others, so that they will see your good deeds and respond with glory to your Father in heaven. I hope that this week you and I can hear Jesus' word, we can respond to him as Lord, and we can do so in a way that honors our Father in heaven. Let's pray together. God, thank you for this parable. We're so grateful for the way that um, your word can take root in us. God, would you soften our hearts so that we will be the sort of people who will respond with joy. And God, I pray for my friends who listen to this, um, who feel the weight of people they care about, who have had God's word bounce off their souls, or maybe who who had it taken for a while and have abandoned it. I, I pray for parents and grandparents and friends and spouses who carry the weight of someone they love who doesn't love you. God, I pray that you would give them a sense of fruitfulness that would benefit those that they love, that they would show the goodness of the gospel in their lives and deeds. And God, would you give all of us a sense of hope in your and confidence in your character that you love the people that we love and that you desire to see them repent and come to a knowledge of you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.